What's going on? It is Sunday, and uh, the date is August 20th. For Water's Edge Church, we did meet today. It's the day of the storm, and we gave the option for people to stay home or to attend. And recognizing that we are in a world that seems to polarize so much, we want to honor both those decisions. And uh, just hope that you are experiencing God's grace, God's truth, and most importantly, God's love, which infuses that grace and truth today. I'm not going to give much of a sermon. I'll just give some highlights. We read Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. In this podcast, this message, I attached our handout, which I sent for people at home. And I'm just going to walk through that handout. It's Ephesians 6, 10 through 20, where the Apostle Paul writes at the end of his letter, um, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. That's 6 verse 10. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly fearlessly as I should. Then we also noted that Jesus says, in John 10.10, 10, the thief, this is the enemy, the Satan, comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I, Jesus, have come to that they may have life, that you may have life, that we may have life and have it to the full. So there's a conversation about spiritual warfare, a conversation acknowledging that we are in a battlefield, but also acknowledging that Jesus is victorious. I am not going to be able to say everything that we talked about today. Because most of what we did was discuss and pray together. So I'll walk through the prompts. And I'll just note that um, when Jesus talks about the thief, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and life to the full. That's really the only time that he pays mind to the devil. And for us, when it comes to this conversation of prayer and particularly spiritual warfare, we want to focus on God, less on the enemy and more on God. Teresa of Avila says it this way, that... I, I, I don't fear the enemy or the evil one as much as I fear the, those who do fear him, the evil one. I kind of butchered that, but she said it again. I don't fear the enemy as much as I fear those who do. And uh, yeah, we, sometimes we can overemphasize spiritual warfare, but we also don't want to underestimate it. As C.S. Lewis writes in Christian Reflections, there is no neutral ground in the universe. Every square inch Every split second is claimed by God and then counterclaimed by Satan. And I would add counterclaimed by God. That's the kingdom coming. Pete Craig writes in his 
really seminal work. It's it's one of his great books. I wouldn't say it's seminal, but it's a great book. How to pray a simple guide for normal people. He says that in the West we've jettisoned evil. We even like the word evil because it proposes moral absolutes. But it's harder to say that holocausts and ethnic cleansing, cleansing and serial killings are just bad psychological and sociological adjustments. Yeah, the enemy is working in the evil that we see throughout the world. And in our intellectual mindset, we want to diminish that and kind of just relegate it to psychology or sociology. And a lot of our Western mindset is not only taken over by individualism, but it's taken over by this rugged workaholism, productionism. That's why Corey Ten Boone says, if the devil can't win us over, he'll certainly make us busy. So we talked about today our experience with spiritual warfare. And for some of us, it can be very, for all of us, it's rather multifaceted. Some people may have no idea what that means. They might have just seen a movie like The Exodus or The Conjuring or all those weird movies that come out these days. Others have experienced it right in front of them. And so we talked about our experience with it just to kind of disarm the conversation a bit. And then we lean into this main idea, given that we're in a series called Adulting, that children, they carry inherent wisdom that we live in a world of good or evil. They, they, they know it more than we do. Somehow as we get, quote, well, as we get older and then, quote, smarter, I'll put that in single quotes, uh, we, we think less about good and evil, more just about subjectivism and relativism that some people are just bad apples and other people's are not we we miss out on this reality that there are powers at work influenced by evil um, demonic forces and when it comes to children carrying the inherent wisdom that we also said that a life early on filled with honest unfiltered prayer becomes a life that engages in the solution that participates in the good Conversely, a life without relational prayer can easily produce a lifeless existence, which consists of complicit bystanding, caustic blaming, and or criminal behavior. That is being part of the problem. Children have the inherent wisdom that we live in a world of good and evil. And we need to recognize that we live in a world of good and evil. So as God's children, how are we praying today? Well, the first point was to pray God's protective words over others that's what we see in the scriptures today the, the the sword which is the word of god and uh we when we looked at even the words in our scripture today when we looked at the action verbs that is exhort is exhortated over us we got to recognize that they're more focused on prayer than they are in a sense action Although prayer is action. What I'm trying to say is it's before we move forward, we've got to stand in prayer. So the words are like put on, take your stand, put on, be able to stand, stand, stand firm, take up faith, take the salvation, pray, be alert, always keep on praying for all, pray, pray, and declare it fearlessly. That our action needs to be rooted in prayer. In fact, our first action is prayer. In difficult times, we're called to fix our eyes on God, not the enemy. And pray God's word over ourselves and others. And this is where we as a church took time just to pray for others, particularly those impacted by the storm. This is the unhouse, elderly, public service and utility people, people who feel alone. We prayed on their behalf. The second point of 
how we engaged in prayer today, how we stepped into the field of spiritual warfare. And man, there was so much goodness in people sharing. I pray that you pause and pray for others and share what's going on. So we, we also petition, the second point, and you can find this in the handout, is that we petition for kingdom workers to rise up. Sometimes that's us, sometimes it's uh, other people. Either way, it prepares our heart. Stanley Horowitz, he says this, that there are principalities and forces that are large, cosmic, organized, subtle, pervasive, and real. These powers never appear as evil and coercive. The powers always masquerade as freedoms that we have been graciously given or as necessities that we cannot live without. So we prayed for our church to, to be kingdom workers, to rise up. We prayed particularly, specifically for our church to continue to become a truth and love community. As it says in Ephesians 4, that we would be a truth and love community, one that trusts Jesus and cares for all. And here's the deal. Jesus cares for all. So it's not hard to trust Jesus and care for all, but it means to live our lives, surrender to the words of Jesus while caring for every person, whether they surrender their words to Jesus, whether they trust Jesus. That's how we, we pray today. We petition for our church. We thought of ways that we could rise up and participate in kingdom initiatives or causes. And lastly, as children, how are we to pray today? We were to proclaim Jesus' loving salvation fearlessly for us. That's what Paul talks about, declaring it fearlessly. Um, it also says in Revelation 12, 11, that they triumphed over him, this is the enemy, by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as shrink from death. They talked about the ways in which God had saved them and is saving them, and that was important. That as we pray for others, as we seek to step in as kingdom workers, we have to recognize that we're saved people, that we need God. We are needy people. That if we want to care for others, we need to recognize our own needs, our own desire to be cared for by God and by others. To say, hey, I need help right now. This helps us not come in with a elitist judgmentalism, but allows us to come as humble, wounded healers, which is the great Henry Nouwen described. That when we recognize we are saved and continue to be saved by God, that there's issues in my life, judgment, contempt, anger, frustration, lust, greed, the list goes on and on. Stereotypes, there's all the isms, sexism, racism, ethnocentrism, uh, classism. We have to recognize I'm saved. And when we can recognize how much we're saved, we recognize our deep need to be cared for by God. And of course, trust Jesus. We can always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks to give a reason for the hope that we have with gentleness and respect. So our fourth prompt was to share how God has saved our life and is saving our life. And petitioning for God to rise up, to, to lift us up. We did that today. That was an awesome day. It was a lot longer than this. And our next steps were to consider being baptized. If you're coming to Catalina with us in mid-September, that's a great place to be baptized. We also talked about kingdom causes. Is there an area for you or us even as a church to step into? We have that great orphanage trip happening in November, which I'm looking forward to. Please come. If you're listening to this, come. And then finally, we talked about sharing how God is saving our life. The gospel is so true that Christ came, that love came in the form of a human lived this life that was so compelling, died for us, and of course rose again out of love. Died out of love, rose out of love, gave the gift of spirit out of love, 
gave us the truth of who God is so that we can know who we are and whose we are. So we celebrate that historical moment, those moments, but we also need to recognize God is saving us, that the gospel is ongoing. There's good news. He is continuing to save me and save you. So share that with others. Lord, we thank you for your saving grace. The fact that you died for us and you're dying for us. Help us live in that mystery and to own it freely. God, thank you for the gift of the Spirit. Father, for your love, Jesus, for who you are. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Next week we have a prayer and worship night, the 27th at the Faulkner's Family Farm. And uh, you're invited. Stay dry. And Lord, I pray that you would protect all those still in the storm. We thank you that you calm the storms. Amen again.